And so this year, even as we think about what God has said to us, and the theme of our church this year is Together We Overcome. Just in case you forgot, the theme of our church this year is, let's everyone say it together. I can see you. I, I know whether you're saying it or not. One, two, three. Together We Overcome. Now, how are we going to do that? Three things. Connect with God, connect with one another, and connect with the world. So everyone say this. How are we going to overcome? How are we going to be together we overcome? Firstly, connect with God. That means build your faith. Secondly, connect with one another, which means build our friendships. Friendships come before function, amen? When we have faith in God and we have strong friendships with one another, we can connect with the world and then we can function. So faith, friendship, function. But to be, I, I would have loved to have shared a little bit more about friendship, but I felt that everything hinges upon our faith. A faith that will not fail. And why do I say that? Because we're living in very, what I would call, we're coming towards, as you know, uh, the end times. And in fact, this whole year, the whole preaching series is about the end times. You know, Pastor Gilbert shared with me a dream that he just had uh, I think this week or, or last week. It's an interesting dream, but it really uh, endorses what God has placed in my heart to share. In this dream, he was in his running gear, he was jogging and he was running, and as he was running at his pace, suddenly on his left side, the Lord appeared running with him. But as the Lord ran with him, he was running at a pace that was different from his. And as, he was, as the Lord was running alongside him, the two of them was running so fast and he realized that they were not running at normal speed. It, how did he know they were not running at normal speed? Because the cars, uh, I mean, sorry, the, 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 the houses, the buildings, the trees, as they ran, as they passed by, would be at the speed as if you drive along a road. And if you look at trees or buildings, they are not static. They, they keep moving very fast. So he knew, wow, we are running at an extraordinary pace. We are not running at an ordinary pace. And the Lord turned to him and said, the pace of things is going to accelerate. At your pace, you will never make it. You need to run with me at my pace. Wow, what a dream. And when I heard it, it comes to my mind, this verse that I've, I, I kind of like it a lot because it guides me to navigate the difficult parts of my life. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. And I, I like it because it's very picturesque. The, the verse says, If you run with men and they tire you, how can you run with horses? Imagine running with horses. That's impossible. And if you stumble in safe country, that means in, there's nothing happening, it's a wonderful, peaceful walk in the park, and you're already stumbling, how will you manage in the thickets of Jordan, or in some versions, in the rising of the storms of Jordan. Brothers and sisters, this is the scenario before us. And much as we say God is a wonderful God, a God who loves to bless us, our God is also a realist. And He needs to wake us up to the urgency of the times that we face. And that is why today, I don't bring to you an easy message. I've I've sought the heart of God long enough, but it has been so engraved inside me 
for so many months now that I knew that if I did not share this message, I would not be truthful to what I've heard from God. And in a sense, also, I've not prepared you well. Because the Lord says, the days that are coming is going to be so tough. Just like what he told Pastor uh, Gilbert, the, not only is it tough, it's the acceleration of things coming that will cause us to stumble and even to fall. So let's turn with me to the book of Matthew. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 8 to 14. And I'm going to read from verse 8 to verse 14. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers. And look at verse 10. And many will turn away from me. Or in, other, in some versions, is that many will give up their faith or will fall away from their faith. They will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who overcomes all this will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Now, Jesus is preparing his uh, disciples for the end times. It's very interesting. Here is the beginning of the times of Jesus, the beginning of the kingdom of God, and he's already preparing them for the end times. What a wise God. He never soft-pedaled his message. He didn't just give a blessing, 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 blessing gospel. He began to bless them. He began to heal them. He began to deliver them from demonic uh, oppression, but he also prepared them for the end times. You know why? Because the culmination of the kingdom of God is actually in the end times. And here, therefore, in Matthew chapter 24, he begins to tell them what is about to happen in, in, in the world scenario. Nations will fight against nations. There will be increase of wars and disasters, earthquakes, and all this will happen. And in verse 8, he says, but these are only birth pangs. Birth pangs. You know, it's very interesting, the word birth pangs, because uh, my, my daughter-in-law just gave birth. And you know, in the early stage of giving birth, uh, of, of when you go into labor, the, the pain is not very much. The contractions are not very much. And you can still go about normal, uh, normal, normal routine, right? You can still have your dinner and all that, even talk and everything. But do you know when the birth, actual birth contractions come, they are so intense that there's an acceleration, not just of pain, but acceleration of time. So what uh, in the first two days, she was feeling contractions, but nothing much. But the last two hours was all it was needed. The acceleration of the birth pain came in just two hours and the baby was born. And that really spoke to me. The Lord says, the birth pains I'm talking about is not all this that you've been hearing and experiencing. The intensity and the acceleration and the speed is now. And when all this happens there'll be an increase in disasters. COVID-19, we pray, will not be too bad, I hope. But whatever it is, be prepared for more disasters. Actually, they say that the floods in Johor has never been like that before. I saw on the news this lady saying, we've had floods before, it's come up to the doorstep. But this one has gone to the roof. Even in Malaysia, the disasters seem to be more huge and more, more unsurmountable. So disasters are increasing. So the, what is happening? 
there'll be increase of disasters, but there will also be an increase of darkness. It says that sin will be rampant. Violence will increase. Hatred will increase. If you think hatred is at an all-time high now, it's not yet. It's yet to come. And it's frightening to even think of what is about to come. And because darkness is rampant, violence is rampant, hatred is rampant, deception is also going to be on the increase. In fact, you know, we live in interesting days. It's already there. You can hardly differentiate between fake news and true news. What is already happening? Deception will go to an all-time high. But these are the things we have to overcome. But underlying this, do you know disasters? Earthquakes, famines, wars, violence, darkness has been there for many centuries. But one thing that helped the people of God to really overcome all this and be more than conquerors was that their theology, their knowledge of God, they knew who God was, is much stronger than it is today. And this is what the Lord said to me. One thing this generation of Christians must overcome is the weak theology. Unfortunately, in the last 50 years or so, the whole of God's, the kingdom of God, I wouldn't say everyone, but definitely in almost most churches, the theology, the understanding of God has been greatly watered down. And so brothers and sisters, today I want to address this particular problem, the weak theology, the weak God that we've made him to be. Why? Because when our theology of God is weak, do you know what will happen? Number one, God is not awesome. Yes, we can sing about him, we can really talk about him, but in our hearts, he is not awesome. He's like an indulgent grandfather. He loves us, he's kind with us, he blesses us, but he's not the God of Moses. He's not the God that parted the Red Sea. He's not the God of Elijah where fire comes down from heaven. He's not even the God of Peter and of Paul, the apostle. He's not. And that's why when we read the Bible, he's such a different God from our God. And we begin to think that God of the Bible is just not the same. And so we, we kind of trivialize him a bit. But when we trivialize God or when we reduce God and we make him smaller than he really is, then we begin to say sin is relative. Actually, we can argue with God. Man's opinions matter. You know, it's almost as if to say, my understanding of God, God has to fit into my understanding of God. If logically I cannot get it, well, I choose to ignore it. And with that, when it comes to sin, it's a matter of opinion. And what that means is that we celebrate human wisdom, human kindness. We even say that this is not scientific enough. Science is elevated beyond itself. When we have a theology like that, we are in great trouble. The possibility of losing our faith is not because of the disasters. It's not even because of the devil. It's not even because the false prophets. It's because we have not known the God of the Bible. So brothers and sisters, allow me to unpackage to you the God of the Bible. And here we have 
in the book of Romans, a phrase that describes God that is truly something we should look at. So look at Romans 11, verse 22. And Paul tells the Christians in Rome, do not be arrogant but tremble. Now look at this. If God did not spare the natural branches, that means Israel, he will not spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. Now look at the word. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He's not just kind or not just severe. He has both kindness and severity. He's severe towards those who disobey, but kind to you if continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. Uh, the KJV or the NIV will say, consider both the severity and the kindness of God. Consider both the severity and the kindness of God. Don't only consider the kindness of God and ignore the severity of God. Neither should you consider only the severity of God and forget about the kindness of God. Because God of the Bible is both kind and severe. And this is a powerful understanding that we must grasp. In fact, if we don't grasp it, we will not be able to trust God. Why? Because our expectation of God is a God that is always kind, always merciful, no matter what has happened. Oh no, I mean, these sort of things has happened, you know. God is forgiving. He's always merciful. He will forgive us. It's okay, one. Once we have that kind of theology of God, we are in great danger because the God of the Bible does not have to follow what we think about Him. He doesn't have to meet my expectation. I need to know Him and understand what He is, who He is and what He expects from me. Now, let me share with you a journey that I've been going through the whole of 2020. 2020 is a very good year when God locked us in and we couldn't do very much to boast about human accomplishments and thinking that we have done God such a big favour. It was truly a year where God was dealing and pruning and confronting my theology even. And he said this to me, do you think you can trust me at the end of days when the way I will deal with the sin of the world and I come into judgment, do you think you can trust me then? When I thought about some of the things that can happen, as if you read the Old Testament, it's quite frightening. You see, Paul is referring to the history of the Jewish nation. In the history of the Jewish nation, it was grotesque the way God dealt with them. They were taken from Israel right into Babylon in captivity. And I want to tell you this, that if you read the Old Testament, the prophets will say, the Babylonians were the most violent, the most cruel, the most oppressive people. How could God use the Babylonians and unholy, violent, evil, evil, you're not talking about evil, evil entity to deal with his beloved nation, the children of Israel? How could he do that? That causes us to lose hope and trust in God. And that is why the Lord began to say to me, if you don't prepare yourself well, to understand me in all that I am and still see kindness in my severity, you will not make it. You know, I tell you something that's very interesting. When Donald Trump, now I'm not here to talk about the man, so put away all thoughts about man, don't go into that, I'm not interested. I just want to share with you my journey, all right? In 2016, I think it's 2016, right? When Donald Trump was elected president, I was quite offended. How on earth could God into power, 
and, and we know that Christians prayed and all this kind of stuff. And how could God put into power a man that's so offensive? And uh, to me, I, I totally don't get the guy, all right? And guess what the Lord said to me? I'm here to offend you. Does that upset you? It's as if to say, I'm here to offend you, so? <laughs> you know, in a sense, that statement by God woke me up. Does God have to fit my understanding of justice? Or do I need to fit God's understanding of justice? It really shook me up. And so that's why, as God processed me in 2020, He was processing me about the God of the Bible, and, he, and I'm going to use the book of Jeremiah to help us do that. And I'm going to look at the severity of God in three aspects. The severity of God towards sin, the severity of God towards judgment, in judgment, the way he deals with sin, and the severity of God, incidentally, towards his servants, meaning me, all right? And you, I hope you're a servant of God. And one of the first things, I, I, as I, I read the Old Testament, I realized that the book of Jeremiah is a very important book that all of us should read. You know why? Because Jeremiah prophesied, I would say, in the end time of the kingdom of Israel. From the, after the book of Jeremiah, the Babylonians came and they went into captivity and exile. And truly, they never really were restored as a kingdom until 1948. It's that long. And so I realized, the Lord seemed to be saying to me, read the book of Jeremiah with an end time lens and you'll understand how what I'm speaking to you, what I'm addressing you about, and why you need to take it seriously, and need to change the way your churches behave, believers uh, behave, and even the way preachers preach, so that, so that you understand what I'm about to do, and you're still able to overcome when I judge the, the world. Still able to overcome when I judge sin, and I judge the world. See, the hardest thing is to one of the things that's very hard is when God deals, uh, works, you know, and when God is judging, right? How will we lo not lose our faith? The key is to understand how God deals with sin, how God judge, judges, and how God wants us to relate to Him. So let's turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, and we're going to look at the severity of God, how God looks at sin. And I, I like the a message which obviously today I can't take you to the whole book of Jeremiah, so it's just snippets. Jeremiah 14, verse 10. Then God said of these people, Since they love to wander this way and that, never giving a thought to where they are going, I will now have nothing more to do with them except to note their guilt and punish their sins. And God said to me, Don't pray that everything will turn out all right for these people. When they skip their meals in order to pray, I will listen to a thing they say. Then they redouble their prayers. I won't even, and all kinds of offerings, I will not accept them. Then this is the judgment. I'm finishing them off with war, famine, and disease. What is the type of judgment? At Jeremiah 15, I've ranged for four kinds of punishment. Death in battle, but it's quite gross, you know? Death in battle, corpses dropped off by killer dogs. If you think your gory movies are bad, you should read this. Death in battle, the corpses dropped off by killer dogs. The rest picked clean by vultures, the bones not by hyenas. There'll be a sight to see. And why? Because a sight to shock the whole world because of Manasseh, the son of Ezekiah, and all he did in Jerusalem. What was it that Manasseh did? 
Manasseh introduced child sacrifice. What happened to the children of Israel that turned so far away from God that the kings of Israel were indulging in the, the type of worship that was prevalent in the land where child sacrifice was acceptable, not only acceptable, was glorified. And not only that, the sin of the people of the children of Israel was so bad that in Jeremiah 17, it says that sin is etched with a flint knife upon the tablets of your heart. What does that mean? What does it mean when Jeremiah tells the people that God looks at the sin of the children of Israel as if it's been etched with a flint knife on the tablets of their heart? Do you know what the Lord said to me? Sin was no longer just a little bit here, a little bit there. Sin was a lifestyle. Brothers and sisters, let us wake up to the reality of our times. Why would God now rise up in anger? Do you know it says in Jeremiah 15, you know, I, I just want to say I'm a woman of prayer, as you know. Prayer is important. Prayer is really hearing from God and crying for mercy. But there comes a time when we pray for nations or even churches or even people, where God says, no, they've gone too far. Do you know Israel reached a situation of their sin where it said in Jeremiah 15, even if Moses and Samuel were to stand here and intercede for them, I would not listen and accept. I would not answer that prayer. So don't take sin lightly because God is a just God. And I look at this situation, why did I highlight Manasseh, king of Israel? And why do I highlight child sacrifice? It is horrendous to think how do we know sin is etched in the tablets of our heart? How do I know that? Because the way we fight for human rights, as if that's all that matters. How, how can God not judge a society that now endorses even legally, passes governmental laws that allows a woman to say it is her right to abort a child that's 35 weeks, last trimester, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, of pregnancy, that child, I'm a pediatrician, a child of 35 weeks can survive very, very well. And to completely destroy, it's horrendous how they do it. I would call it murder. And the Lord said to me, if, for instance, an enemy came to your land and started opening up the, the, the stomach of that woman and tore that baby up 35 weeks, wouldn't you rise in anger? Wouldn't you rise to kill that enemy? And yet, you're doing it legally in front of my eyes. Remember the sermon I preached to you about the worth of the soul? Do you think God is going to let us off lightly? And do you think God is going to let us off lightly? When we say that at eight years old, anyone can change their sex, boy or girl, do you think that it's the rights of mankind just because we have the expertise to do so? Do you think that we can change our gender and God will not rise up in judgment? Do you, you know, sometimes we think that we are more just than God. I want to say this. We are living in horrific times. Yes, you may say to me, oh, in Malaysia, but not like that. Church, I warn you, we are almost there. I was really, really very overwhelmed, very uh, I don't know what's the word, but very repentant maybe, but very, I just cried a lot. When I saw 
the number of COVID cases amongst the working dorms of our factories. And the Lord says, you see, you, all your wealth of your nation has been made possible upon the backs of these people that you totally didn't even knew exist. Look at their living conditions. Are you not appalled? Have you done anything about it? So when we fast in Isaiah 58 and ignore all these things, do you think God accepts our fast? That is why it's not just prayer. It's not even just repentance as in His word. It's a complete change that must happen in us as believers. That is what it means to treat God seriously. You know, it's very easy to write off all these things and to argue with God. And that's what the children of Israel did. Jeremiah 16, they says, when you tell the people all these things, they'll say, why has the Lord decreed such terrible things? What have we done to deserve such treatment? What is our sin against the Lord our God? Then you give them the Lord's reply. It's because your ancestors were unfaithful to me. They worshipped other gods and served them. They abandoned me and did not obey my word. I know that all of you will now say, this is the God of the Old Testament, but the God of New Testament is different. As if there is a, what do you call that, a schizophrenic element of God. No, God is both severe and kind. So look at verse, Acts chapter 5. Look at this. I'm going to read to you Acts chapter 5. Here's Ananias and Sapphira's story. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door. They will carry you out. And I love this. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. At least the, uh, the, the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, that prophets coming, coming, coming. There's not no prophets. He told him, she fell to the door and died. And great fear gripped the entire church. But look at the effect when God is treated with great reverence and awe and the God of the Bible, look at Acts 5, 13 to 16. We want to touch the nation. We want to influence the world. We want to be a light in the darkness. This is how the light shone. No one else that joined to them, but the people had high regard for them. Do people have high regard for Christians today? I don't think so. So here was God in His, in his glory coming to deal with sin. And the people around them of the whole city had high regard for them. And verse 14, more and more people believed. And look at verse 15. And this opened the heavens because of the apostles' work. Even Peter's shadow just walking by could heal people. That is what it means that the glory of God will be in the city. It is only in the city. It's only in our midst when we know that the God of our, the Bible is who he actually is. I want to say this, that God needs, first of all, for us, the world to see God that way, he also needs to help us as servants of God to preach him and serve him in the correct manner. So let's look at Jeremiah 6. In Jeremiah chapter 6, God was speaking to Jeremiah. He says, prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. Now, this is a problem of the world's church today. It may not happen in your church, but I'm very clear there is a rampant problem. We dress the wound of our people as though it were not serious. We say to them, it's okay, Wana. God will understand. It's okay, Wana. God is to understand. Are we ashamed of our conduct? No. We have no shame at all. So they will fall among the fallen and they will be brought down when I punish them. This is when God last year taught me to look at him, not just as a saviour, but as a master. 
Now, God is definitely a savior. God is my father, and God is, I've built a very strong, intimate relationship with him. It is necessary that you know God as father. It's necessary that you know God as savior. But after you have known him as savior, you must serve him as king, Lord, Adonai, creator of heaven and earth, that when he speaks, every angel, every demonic spirit flees, and we, his servants, call him Master Adonai. What's the difference? What's the difference between serving God as master versus serving him as a servant, uh, as, as a savior? Number one, we become his servants. And as a servant, we must obey. You know, when I tell my maid, huh? To do something, I don't expect her to argue with me, but she tries, but she has no say. At the end of it, she still has to do it. We may wrestle with God, but at the end of it, the master has spoken, we obey. One of the powerful things, if you read Acts of the Apostles, is this. Whatever God said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Whatever Jesus said to them in the Gospels, they did. And that's why Peter could walk on water. Whatever in the book of Acts the Holy Spirit told them to do, they obeyed. And because they obeyed, God came in all his glory. God began to say to me, until you know how to obey, the glory of God cannot come in. Everything is predicated on obedience. And not only that, the Lord began to say to me, remember, you have to give an account of your life and of your service and of your time on earth to me. And that's when we do that, that is an awesome, a, a glorious fear of the Lord. Now, it's not wrong to treat God as Savior, Jesus as our Savior. But the problem with this is that, yes, we often say we are His, his beloved children. We will then say we are so beloved by Him. And so our obedience becomes voluntary. And because our obedience becomes voluntary, we tend to say, well, how I live to a certain extent it's up to me. So we will not move out of our comfort zone. And at the end of this, we don't even understand the fear of the Lord. You know, you have heard me share on uh, Chew on the Word on the fear of the Lord. Many people don't even grasp the fear of the Lord. But in the end days, unless you have a fear of the Lord, the glorious God, the majestic God, that you know the Bible tells us at, the, at, at just one stroke of His voice, Mountains tremble. Mountains tremble. The earth shakes. If you don't know that fear of the Lord, we will have no confidence because our God is then a weak God. It's only when the awesomeness of God rises within us that the awesomeness of God rises in the world. You will ask me, what about his kindness? You know, in the book of Jeremiah, towards the last part, you see God in His absolute mercy and kindness. In the judgments of God, it's never vindictive. The judgments of God are always for cleansing, for redemption, and for dealing with sin that will destroy us. And that's why towards the end of the book, you see God explaining to Jeremiah. And I love, I just read to you just one phrase from Jeremiah that helps you to see how amazing the God we have because Pastor Chu is going to give you a very wonderful understanding of that later on this month. And this is what the Lord says in verse 25. I would no more reject my people than I would change my laws that govern night, day, earth and sky. 
I will never abandon the descendants of Jacob or David, my servant, or change the plan that David's descendants will rule the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Instead, I will restore them to their land and have mercy on them. At the end of the day, in the heart of God, is always mercy. And that's why he sent the prophets to warn them. Jeremiah, the prophet, was not sent to judge them. Jeremiah, the prophet, was sent to warn them that they would turn away from their sins, that they would go back to God so that God could have mercy on them. In the same way, God is saying to us, wake up now. Understand what's happening in the earth. Rise up. I'm a God of mercy. I don't want to reject. I don't want to judge. I, do, I want to show kindness. But I cannot do that if you treat me as if I'm nothing. If you treat me as if I'm puny. If you treat me as less than the scientists of the world. If you treat me as less than what Facebook says about. That would never, never, never allow God to become strong in our life. And our faith will fail if we do that. And so, it's important, the kindness of God. In fact, you know what? For us New Testament Christians, I want you to know, you and I have definitely received the kindness and mercy of God. So we're going to declare this together, shall we? We have constantly lived under the kindness of God. How do we do that? Even this morning, week's uh, early morning prayer, we declared the exchange that took place on the, on, on the cross. So let's do this. Jesus, come, let's all of you, let's say it together. Are you ready? One, two, three. Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin that our sinfulness that we might be righteous with his righteousness. Jesus died our death that we might share his life. Jesus endured our shame that we might have his glory. Jesus was rejected that we might have his acceptance. Is our God good? Is He kind? Is He merciful? Do we deserve all that? No! No! But He's kind enough to do it. Why? Because of the tender mercies of our God. But don't treat Him as if He is nothing. And so my friends, how will we now grow a faith that will not fail? I would say to you, go back to the Word. I want to say this. The Lord said this to me. One of the de great deceptions of today's world is this. We come to a service like that. We go to even Bible studies. And we hear all these men talk or women talk. And we feel that we know everything about God. And worse still, we think we have obeyed. But the Lord said this to me. What a hypocrisy. What a lie. What a deception of the devil. They've merely heard the message. They've merely heard someone speak. They've never gone back to read it for themselves and, and definitely they've never considered the word and put it into action. Has the word become part of their lifestyle? Has the word now been engaged and etched like a flintstone into the tablets of our heart? Until the word becomes flesh and part of our DNA, part of our lifestyle, actually the word is not in us. Which means that brothers and sisters, I'm going to implore you this year. Why? Because it's hastening. It's hastening. In fact, Pastor Gilbert said to me, how can we prepare the church so that they're ready for the end times? They're ready because the pace is going to pick up. Well, I'm preparing you brothers and sisters. When you read the Bible, don't read your favourite passages. Read the whole Bible. Genesis, Exodus, yes, Jeremiah, everything. 
don't read it to memorize, don't read it to be clever, don't read it to try and understand, don't read it even to remember. Read it to do two things only. God, who are you? Tell me who you are. Show me who you are in all your glory and majesty. I repent. I don't really know you. Secondly, speak to me. What is the area you want me to obey? Just two things. Show, tell me who you are and what is it that I must put into my lifestyle. And then as we do that, as we read the Word of God, it's been a wonderful journey as far as I'm concerned and a lot of us concerned. When we worship, it's no longer about songs. It's about the glory of this God. And you know, it's a glorious God. And the worship ascends to another level because now the angels are encouraging us to see the God that they worship. And you know, when the angels see God, God is so amazing and they cry, holy, 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 constantly, non-stop. And what does the word holy mean? Luar biasa. He's not ordinary. He's definitely not like us. He's not reduced to nothing. He cannot be compared. There's no, nothing in all creation like our God. Wow. That will give us faith. And as we do that, there'll be many things in the Bible we don't understand. What does God expect us to do? Wrestle with Him. Wrestle with Him. Ask Him questions. Let Him ask you questions. Like He asked me questions. Are you sure you can trust me? What makes you think you can trust me when things get harder? Let Him ask us that. Because it is those questions that make us humble us. Humble us and realize, God, apart from you, I can do nothing. You know, all our programs may look good to us. But God is saying to you, I'm humbling you to know the programs will not save you. It's your deep anchoring of me in you that will save you. And we have to learn to wrestle. You know, you may wonder what's prayer. What's a prayer altar? A prayer altar is actually the word that we read, three chapters, five chapters, and allow it to saturate us. And God, Holy Spirit shows us who God really is. That we worship Him in awe because we, the Holy Spirit unravels His majesty, His glory, His amazingness, His mercy in the midst. We are entitled to all the judgments and yet He's merciful. And as we do that, we wrestle with Him. Why Lord? Why is this Lord? And in His kindness, He talks to us. In His kindness, He explains things to us. And as we do that, we are able to yield to the Holy Spirit. What will enable us to have a faith that will keep going? The yieldedness. What is yieldedness? An agreement with the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are God. I'm only a human being. I trust you enough with everything. My questions, everything that's happening in the world, myself, I trust you. So I came to a position that though I do not have answers for many things, but as I wrestle with God in prayer, I decided that the way to move forward in 2021 and to be able to run with the horses and to still stay standing in the thickets and the rising of the Jordan is to constantly have the word flowing within me constantly to worship holy, awesome, great majesty is our God to wait upon the Lord and allow ourselves to say Lord, I still trust you no matter what 
So brothers and sisters, I know it's been a difficult sermon uh, sharing to you, but I think I would do, I would not be a good servant of the Lord, I must say, if I dare not release this to you. Neither would I be a good shepherd or a good mother of the house that I withhold from you something that could save your life and save your faith. So even in this time as we worship, in the, wherever you are, I feel the glorious, you know, this has been an awesome week, but the presence of God came so strongly through for us. We are so blessed. God spoke through every night morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. This morning, it was like a culmination of what God longed to do. I want to tell you this. The whole world is going to take you towards darkness. Only God can take you towards light. And until you have the light of God, you cannot shine in the midst of darkness. We love to say we are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. But we have dark, so much darkness inside us. How can we be the light of the world? How can we be the light of the world? And that's why this message is about God wants to have light in His church. God longs for His church to have light. And He only speaks to churches and, hum and Christians, believers, who want to have that light. And I believe you want to have that light. You see the darkness, it's Lord, I don't want to belong to darkness. I want to have that light. And if that's you, I want you to respond and say, Lord, today, I want to be serious with you. Today, I'm going to read the whole Bible. Even chunks I don't understand, chunks I totally don't get it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to wrestle with you. I'm going to worship you. And I'm going to yield to you no matter what. Because I know at the end of it, you are a good God. Amen. Amen. And so even as we come to this, let's worship the Lord. As we sing holy, holy, holy in wherever you are. You know, the one thing bad about this worshipping at home, even for me, I must confess this. I hardly stand up to worship. I was so rebuked when one of my prayer leaders, a young man actually, in his 40s only, 40 years old only, rebuked his son who was watching the whole service and just sitting there and, you know, whatever, in whatever posture. And he said, look, this is not a TV show. This is a worship time. And he commanded him to stand up. Wow. When I heard that, I realized that if we want to use this whole season when God wants to come into our homes, seriously, even in the worship, we should stand up or kneel and then the God of glory will fill our homes. That's what happened this morning even. I could feel the God of glory filling every home because there was reverence. There was awe of God. Heavenly Father, O merciful and everlasting God, the great Elohim, the great God of the universe, the God, O Lord God, who can shatter every storm cloud, who can shatter the mountains, the God of all eternity, God of all wisdom, power and glory, to you truly be honour and power and majesty. Indeed, O Lord God, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you should care for him? O Lord God, there is none like you in all the earth. And so, Lord God, 
you are merciful, but you want us to realize who you are. You know, brothers and sisters, come to pray this prayer over you. In the book of Ephesians, Paul prays this prayer to the believers of Ephesus and he asked them to keep asking from God to give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know God better. So I'm going to pray this prayer over you. Father Lord, forgive us. But in these times that we live in, we have watered down your word. Forgive us, Almighty God. We reduce you to something that we can handle. But you are not supposed to be handleable. And so, Lord, we really need a restoration of the glory and the majesty of God. And so, Lord, we bow our knees before you. Even as the great Apostle Paul prayed, we bow our knees before you, before the God of this universe, with all his mercy, reach out to us. And long before we are born, chosen us to belong to him and to belong to his family. We bow before you. And we ask, O Lord God, that you will open. Truly, O Lord God, you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. Lord, we are not satisfied at the level that we know you. It is too small. Our God is too small. You are not the God of the Bible. We want to see the God of the Bible. We want to know with the God of the Bible. We want to interact with the God of the Bible. We want to obey the God of the Bible. And open our eyes, the eyes of our heart that is now so dull. Open the eyes of our heart that is so dull that you may give us light, Lord, to illuminate the darkness in our heart that we may see the hope of our calling, the glorious riches of the inheritance of the saints of God and the great dunamis power that's available to us, even the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So Lord, may the church of God gathered here today, truly, O Lord God, appropriate this prayer and we come before you and may you hear our prayer that you give us indeed a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better and maybe begin the journey today with reverence and awe that our hearts may be enlightened and our power from heaven will be renewed and now unto God who is able to keep us from falling may he present us with joy blameless and with great joy before the throne of God unto him who is able to give his all power glory dominion and praise we give honour power, dominion and praise. To God be the glory and all God's people say Amen. Amen. Amen.